Okay. Let's fire up this brain. Let's go. Let's get the synapses rolling. Let's wake up a little bit. We got a big fat news story. You know I gotta talk about it. Plus, it's March Madness. I can smell that, Turney. You smell it? You smell all that money to be won? Or lost? I'm planning to do a lot of gambling. I'm planning to do the type of gambling that worries my family. I'm planning to do the type of gambling that creates an intervention with relatives I have not seen in many years. March Madness? You kidding me? Even if you don't like to gamble, you fill out a bracket. And then you're like, all right, I'll get involved with a pool. All right, I'll throw five on it. I'll throw 10 on this one. Okay, I'll throw 20. Then after the first Thursday, you're like, whoa, I'm, I'm still in this. Maybe I could win some cash. And then you go to your bookie in the alley. And you beg him to expand your line of credit. And you tell him, I'm good for it. I'm good for it. Then you sell your baby's crib. Just to make enough cash to get to the sweet 16. You know this familiar tale. And then you stop going to work. You grow a beard. Not a well-manicured beard. But one that's scraggly enough to send the message to people that you've got problems. Perhaps brushing your teeth once. Maybe twice during the whole tournament. Being told you can't come into your home anymore. You gotta go. You gotta go. So where do you go? You go back to the sports bar with your bracket. You got enough loot on the next game to let it all ride. Doesn't matter which colleges are involved. You've got enough riding on these games that can make or break your daughter's college fund. You start cheering for teams that you don't even care about. You don't even know where the university is located. Come on, Winthrop. Play some D, Butler. Make me proud, UMB, MBMC, U, Tech. We're all relying on you, St. Bonaventure. Come on, basketball gods. Please shine down upon the shockers of Wichita State. We need this. I'm praying to you, Stony Brook. I don't know where any of these schools are. But they show up on my bracket. Coastal Carolina. Coastal? What coast? Canisius? And then if you're lucky to get into that final game and your bracket's still alive, you hedge your bet, you put in all the marbles, you sell your car, you know this tale, right? We've all been there. And then Villanova makes you look like a genius. And you start to collect. And your bank account is getting a little bit fatter. And guess who looks like a genius? Bringing home an enchilada platter from Panchitos to celebrate. Hey, daddy's home. Shaved his beard. Brushed his teeth. His wallet is overflowing with cash. Welcome to March Madness. Brian Gumble back with you. I can't wait. Are you kidding me? Watched an Aztecs UNLV game today like it mattered. I love that sports can still matter. I was worried about myself. Honestly, I was worried. Been watching a lot of Warriors games lately, wondering, do I care? Hey, it's entertaining. I still love watching hoop. But do I care if they lose to the Suns tonight? I don't. NFL, Niners, horrible season. Did I care? No, not really. So there's something about March Madness. Following my Aztecs, 
seeing if San Diego State has a late spark, which they sometimes do. And when that spark is extinguished, then it's time to really ride with some teams that you really don't always know about. But it's a fun few weeks. All right, welcome in episode 51. I don't know what the hell I just said for a while, but I do know we got to get to this education topic. You want the best education? Yeah? Higher learning? You want to make mama proud? You want to make papa proud? We got to get you in a UC. We got to get you in the Ivy League school. Got to get you on that crew team. Got to get you on that sailing team. So we got to lie. Oh, yeah. This college admissions cheating scandal is one of the most amazing stories. Not surprising. Not a surprising story. Just amazing that they all got caught. This is just one of the scandals that's probably been happening. Oh, I don't know. Since the origins of college and rich people. Rich people who care about status. Who care so much about status that they put pressure on their children to follow in the footsteps to go major in something noteworthy, to go to a university that they could tell their friends about at cocktail parties. You know, Skyler's really having a good time at Stanford. Yeah, he is. No, he's not. He's blacked out drunk, not attending classes, probably selling weed out of his dorm. But you shoved him in there. You shoved him in. Are you happy? And now you got caught, Aunt Becky. Lori Laughlin. Felicity Huffman. Look at you. Look in the mirror. Lock him up, folks. All right, I realize zero chance any of these truly wealthy people are going to face prison time. But these are parents who like status, so they pressure their kids to fit the mold of what they view as success. What they view as success, very different than what their children deem to be a successful life. Right now, there's 50 people facing federal charges. 50. All because they view college differently than their kids. If their kids valued college, maybe a little more effort. Maybe they actually would try to get onto that rowing team instead of bribing coaches to say, yeah, they're on the team. Yeah, how much money you got? Oh, then yeah, 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 he's on the team. One of our best rowers. Let's just superimpose his photo onto one of these boats. You got to read the full articles. I mean, if you're just reading the headlines, you're doing yourself a disservice. This is a complicated web of fraud. This is a deceitful abyss of hot shit. SAT proctors taking bribes? I remember taking the SAT. It's like one of the most nerve-wracking days. Well, these kids had nothing to worry about. I read that some of the kids didn't even know that their scores were being inflated. Didn't even know that other people were taking their tests. Or grading them a little differently. Causing some people to say, oh, poor kids. I realize that's the knee-jerk reaction a lot of people have. Oh, these poor kids. And then you realize, not really, not really poor kids. These are some of the wealthiest families. If these kids have a pretty easy path in life, maybe they're not feeling so motivated to look at college and say, yes, that's how I could really find my calling and my direction in life. I really want to further my vocational skills in a certain area. No, if your life is like Ricky and Silver Spoons, Ricky Schroeder, If that's your life, I'm pretty sure there's not a lot of stress of how it's all going to unfold for you financially. If your earliest memories are of a butler bringing you Jolt Cola and Yoohoo, that delicious chocolate milk drink, I don't know if you're going to go in the classroom and say, I got to grind. I got to study and study and study so I could be somebody. 
No, really, maybe the motivating factor is to please my parents. But if you don't care to please your parents, well, then they're going to pull some strings and make sure that you'll please them. This all comes down to looking at certain colleges as prestigious and frowning upon other colleges. You know what's very respectable? Going to a community college, a junior college. You know what else is respectable? Going to any college. You can find an education anywhere. Some colleges have reputations that are not warranted, that they don't even deserve. San Diego State. I went to San Diego State. I majored in journalism. I've heard some people go, yeah, they have a really good journalism department. Not really. I'll just say it right now. The journalism class I teach at the high school I'm at, same thing. Really, same thing. Maybe better. This just became a lot of self-praise. Go with me on this, though. Go with me on this. Let my ego inflate. As I tell you, my high school journalism program, just the same as San Diego State's. But maybe more realistically, because I had to take one class at a community college in San Diego called Grossmont. And I went to Grossmont to take a journalism class. One of the best. One of the best. I don't know why. Maybe they weren't offering it at San Diego State. And they said, you got to go to Grossmont. And at that point, I could have seemed discouraged. Like, oh, community college journalism class? It was one of the best, if not the best, of all journalism classes I've ever taken. Just a little community college. There are people right now that are convinced an education from UC Riverside or UC Davis is better than you could get at CSU Stanislaus or Dominguez Hills. No? It's probably up to the professor. Good teaching is good teaching, no matter where you go or no matter how much you pay for it. Neil Brennan has a great bit on this. Neil Brennan is an awesome stand-up comic. Very smart, very cerebral. Talks about race a lot. He's one of the creators of The Chappelle Show, one of the writers of The Chappelle Show, which is an awesome sketch comedy show. And I'm going to bring it up right now. Here's the Neil Brennan bit that I'm referring to when he talks about college. He talks about the viewing of certain universities as better than others based on the price you pay and also about student loans just destroying people. So here, let me see if this picks up on the mic. 325, you probably are in school or just got out of school. Student loan debt is fucking awful. How many people have student loan debt by round of applause? It's so many people. Well, first of all, college makes me insane because the fact that they charge one price at one college and another price at another college is so dumb because it's not like you're getting better facts. You know what I mean? It's not like if you go to a community college and take a history class, you're going to be like, well, the Revolutionary War started immediately after the Boston Tea Party, and at these prices, that's all the information we're willing to give you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was lucky enough to have dropped out. Um, because I realized early on that these, these student loans are basically small business loans, and the business is you, and you're maybe not such a great business. <laughs> Look, if they call them small business loans, no 18-year-old kid would ever get the loan because it's a bad idea for a business. If you had to go to the bank, to the small business desk, and ask me, like, yeah, I'm going to need $150,000, they'd be like, all right, what's your business idea? All right, here's the idea. For the next four years... I'm going to get blackout drunk. But also, I'm going to get a degree in sociology. They'd be like, get the fuck out of our bank. We're like, that's fine, I will, but just know that I did have a way to pay you guys back. It's going to give you $80 a month for the next 240 years. 
God, that falls into the it's funny because it's true category. That's from his Three Mics special on Netflix. I think I talked about that on one of these podcasts, but Three Mics, literally, he has one microphone for one-liners, one for stand-up, and then one for just like heartfelt stories of his childhood. He is an awesome comic. You should watch the whole special. But what he just said is right on the money. I know this is kind of getting off the topic of the college admissions cheating scandal, but student loans, what a racket. Hey, you just graduated college. You're going to start your adult life in the hole, in a deep, deep, deep hole. And I know there's grants and I know there's scholarships and I know there's programs to help young kids with payments, but really the price of college is brutal for so many people just committed to debt. Yeah, I'm committed to get this degree, so I'm committed to a lot of debt. I don't want to sound inconsiderate to these kids, these kids of wealthy parents who are being pressured to live out their parents' dreams of going to these prestigious universities, but I'm not worried about them, let's just say. This is a good form of embarrassment. We need people like this to be publicly exposed and embarrassed. We need more of that. Enough sweeping things under the rug for the upper class. That's a hot political take right there. That is hot. So what happens now? Rip them out of college, right? They're not allowed to just go to class this week. The story just came out this week. Are these kids still going to the universities with everybody in the classroom just staring at them like, what the fuck? What are you doing here? That's my guess. For all 50 people indicted facing federal charges, uh, their kids are done going to these schools, right? Like done. Otherwise, those are the emptiest degrees ever. And I love the sports connection. I love all of these coaches that just got fired this week for allowing fake scholarships to fake athletes. Yeah, you never played the sport. We'll give you a full ride to come play for us. Uh, the money was good. Bribery. The dollar-dollar bill, it goes a long way. There's such a hierarchy, isn't there? When it comes to how we view colleges. You just ask somebody, where'd you go to college? If they say Princeton... Your eyes get wide, your eyebrows raise, and you go, wow, very good, very nice, I'm very impressed. And that means they worked very hard in life. Good, 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 good. But if they say something like, I went to junior college up in Butte County, you go, oh, okay, okay, huh. Like you almost feel bad. Oh, you, you just went to a junior college for a couple of years in Butte? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what was in the cards for me. We need to reverse how we think about anybody going to a junior college or an unknown college or an affordable college. You say it's just as good. Just as good. Good for you. Good for you. And now I'm a parent. So I'm a little guilty of this. You know, would I love for my child to go to UC Berkeley over going to a couple of years at a community college? Sure, I think I would, but I have to also reverse the way I think about this. I think this is going to be a big story. I think this story will actually stay in the news. Most stories, they just vanish. But this story made me think. There's a lot of elements to it, a lot of prongs to this story. I also realized that when it first surfaced, I was having deep thoughts about it. And then as I kept reading, I was like, I don't totally care that much anymore. Has that ever happened? You feel passionate about something for about five minutes and then you're like, when's lunch? I don't think we spend too much time in the deep thoughts headspace. Seriously. I mean, this podcast... This is about, what, 30 minutes a week that I spew some of my deep thoughts or just any thoughts. Some are very shallow. 
are just things that I think are worth talking about. Noteworthy. I like to point out absurd things in society. But most of my week, I'm not thinking this way. Most of my week, I'm just in the zone of normalcy. I've noticed that. When I'm having like a really heavy intellectual conversation with somebody, it only goes for so long before we're like, you in the mood for corn nuts? Or what'd you watch on Netflix last night? Or you just get into something that's meaningless? Kind of heals the brain a little bit. You know how the brain feels when you're like in the thick of an amazingly deep conversation, whether it's political, maybe it's about theology, maybe it's about a current event, a social issue, maybe it's about injustice. You know that feeling? It's almost like your body heats up a little bit, a good kind of heat. But the moment it's done, you kind of blink out of it, like Will Ferrell in old school. What happened? I blacked out. I think that's how most people spend most of their lives. Not in the deep thought zone, but just going through the motions of the things we do. Your alarm goes off, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, then you eat some eggs, then you get in your car and you go to work, and then all these things happen, and you're probably listening to a podcast, listening to radio, tuning out in your own head. I think Norm MacDonald has a bit on how little time we actually have to do things. You know, if you take in all the time that we're sleeping, or using the toilet, or taking a shower, or doing anything in the bathroom with toiletries or cosmetics, cooking, eating the food. We spend a lot of time thinking about our next meal, cooking our next meal, shopping at the grocery store for our next meal, and then eating the next meal, and then a snack. So if you take away all of that, bathroom time, eating time, sleeping time, how many minutes do we actually have of just our free will? We're filling minutes with things that we want to do. Very few. So outside of your job, outside of everything you do in a bathroom, and outside everything that has to do with sleep and food, how many minutes do you honestly think you have that fall into the category of I'm doing what I want right now? Just letting my mind go to a subject that's going to be deep. I'm going to spark a conversation that's going to further my knowledge of a topic or allow me to express myself in a way that feels special and important and meaningful. Perhaps that's why I do this damn podcast. You got to set aside some time for things. That's what meditation is. Meditation is so simple. Hey, why don't you focus on your breathing? I would never do that. I would never focus on one breath if I didn't set aside some time for some mindful meditation. How weird. How much time would I set aside for some deep thinking? I'd probably be too busy in the bathroom, brushing my teeth and cooking food and shopping for food and dreaming and sleeping and dreaming and sleeping and getting dressed and doing it all over again. Is that depressing? I don't know. Just means we have a lot of things going on. Humans are busy. We are busy. It's always a valid excuse. You try to hang out with someone and they're like, yeah, I'm busy. We should, we should believe them, right? And most of the time we go, no, you're not. You just don't want to hang out. But we should believe people. We're busy. It'll be a whole thing. I know I mention Larry David a lot, but Larry David, he like makes it okay to feel that way. You know something? I just don't really want to do anything. You're not allowed to say that, by the way. You're actually not allowed. If someone texts you, hey, you want to kick it? You can't just write, nope. You got to be like, I'm busy. And that's valid. That's still going to be valid. But if someone's like, hey, do you want to go out to lunch? Most of the time, I'm game. I'm game. Since when do I say that? Most of the time, I'm social. I am. I'm actually not as much of a hermit as I sound on this podcast sometimes. But isn't that weird that you can't just say no if you don't want to do something? You can't. 
Hey, you want to go get a sandwich? No. Could you imagine receiving that text? No. No explanation. No excuse. No, I'm busy. No, I have other plans. But just no. I'm being honest with you. I still love you. I still like you as much as I've ever liked you. But my response to your request to go hang out is simply no. No. It's unacceptable. That'll never be acceptable in society to just say no. You always got to be like, yeah, you know something? It's been a pretty busy week. Kid's sick. I'm drained. Bringing home work with me. You know how that goes. Son of a bitch. The SAT proctors were taking bribes. I didn't know this was possible. I should have come in with a $20 bill in 1999. Actually, I'm fine with San Diego State. You say you went to San Diego State nowadays. There's some prestige. I think it's tougher to get into. I actually, I know it's tougher to get into than when I went. But back when I went, I think it was just like telling someone, you know what? I'm having a B minus. I'm having a B minus college experience while you, hey, you, Mr. UCSB, you're having an A because you got those letters U and C in front of your college. All I got is the word state. Isn't this true? This is so true. We view UCs better than state schools. We view kids at UC schools as you worked harder in high school. And you're having a better college experience. Am I right? That's kind of right. It's a fragile area. But no more frowning on any schools. No more. No mas. I'll tell you what we can frown upon. The amount of graphic tees you see nowadays. This is what we call a subject change. There's a lot of graphic tees. I've had certain clothes, I'm not exaggerating right now, for about 20 years. There are certain things I still wear. Certain shirts that I've had for about 20 years. So I've earned that soft cotton. And maybe it is a band or a sports shirt from 20 years ago that was actually purchased when something was new. But now all these graphic tees, you go to Kohl's. You could buy a Nirvana shirt, a Ramones shirt. So I feel bad for the guy that's actually had a nice old cotton Ramones shirt that he bought at a concert in the early 80s. And people just think, yeah, you went to Kohl's recently, didn't you? Didn't you? If you went to the Coca-Cola factory in the 70s and you bought a shirt, people are just going to think, you got that at Kohl's last week. So any legendary clothing that you've hung on to for so long, and it's so comfy, and you earned the comfort, years of washing it, just to get that like blanket kind of cotton feel, graphic tees have messed it all up. Now everybody's trying to have that unique shirt look. I don't even know if this makes sense. But I thought of that with some of my wardrobe. It's so old. Looks vintage in my head, but I go, this probably just looks like I'm trying to look like these are old clothes. All right, scrap that. I don't even know where that came from. All right, here's a little uh, parental advisory explicit lyrics coming. Here's a couple stories uh, from the world of basketball. Hey, sports fans, welcome back. From the world of basketball, here's two stories this week that involve the F word. But there's a point. Russell Westbrook caught on tape using the F word. The star point guard for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that story. And Steve Kerr, the lovable coach of your Golden State Warriors, also caught on tape using the F word. There's no more lore in sports. There's no more folklore or just word of mouth stories. It's all caught on tape. 
These athletes, these coaches, they're followed and followed and followed. And it becomes big stories because when something is caught on tape, then it goes viral and then everybody wants to comment about it and says, I saw it and I, here's how I saw it and you know, here's how I think about that person now. Lore was better. You know, back in my day, someone goes to a game, they overhear something from the sidelines or you're sitting close to the first baseline or third baseline, you overhear something. That's just you. That's your experience. That's your story. Now everything caught on tape either by the fans or by the TV cameras. Everything's mic'd up. Everything's caught on tape and mic'd up. So goodbye lore. There's no more folklore. There's no more folklore. That doesn't even sound like English. There's no more folklore. no more folklore. Russell Westbrook told a fan in Utah, it was a Thunder Jazz game, he said, I'll fuck you up. Just looked up at a fan. And that's what was caught on tape. He said, I'll fuck you up. And your wife. He was threatening. To just go up in the stands and fight this fella and his wife. And then after the game, they interview the guy. He's like, I didn't say anything. I was just having fun. And then after the game, they asked Russell Westbrook. And he's like, uh, yeah, the guy was saying racist things to me. And Russell's teammates backed him up. They go, yeah, he was. And there's a problem at jazz games with their hometown crowd. Using racial slurs towards players on the opposing team. This is not the first time. So let me give kudos to the jazz. This is the part of the show where I give kudos to the Jazz. That's what you were waiting for. But the organization banned this fan for life. They did their own investigation and they realized this is the type of fan we don't want. You get too close and you think you have the freedom to say anything and everything you want. So get out. I love the lifetime ban. I love it. I thought that was a great move. And it vindicated Russell Westbrook. They did their investigation. They found out he probably was using some racist terminology to talk to Russell Westbrook. But all they catch on tape is, I'll fuck you up. Just Russell screaming at this guy. I think we need more lifetime bans. I've gone to so many games where one fan can actually ruin it for a whole section. Not just fights. Heckling can be tasteful and funny. But if it's nonstop and it's truly offensive, it's just a straight verbal attack on these players, you're annoying people. I feel like my entire mindset is now changing because I'm picturing taking my daughter to a Warriors game or to a football game, college football, pro football, baseball game. And I know if there's just a loudmouth, drunk fan who's aggressive, that's where my attention's going to be. I think I have a mini fear of now live sports being ruined, especially because it's so expensive to go to these games, being ruined by someone in the section who perhaps is dropping epithets on the players, who maybe thinks they're the center of the tension, maybe gets aggressive, tries to throw a few punches. I've seen it before, folks. I've seen it before. So good. Get rid of the fan. The other story that involves profanity is Steve Kerr just under his breath saying to a Warriors assistant coach, I'm so fucking sick of Draymond. Or I'm so fucking sick of Draymond's shit lately. You know, he just says it. You're in the heat of battle. In the middle of a game, very intense. But the cameras catch it and the lip readers decipher what he was saying. And now Kerr has to go on TV and go, no, you got that wrong. And he was smiling. He's like, God, I can't even have a moment saying something under my breath to an assistant coach because everybody's filming it. And we have these, what, lip readers now? We're going to tell everybody what I was saying? And he and Draymond have had a kind of contentious relationship. So this didn't help. I felt bad for everybody. I felt bad for Kerr. He doesn't deserve that. I felt bad for Draymond. It's a shame. Your coach should be able to talk trash about you and not be caught. I feel that way about people in my own life. You could say things about me, just not to me. I don't need footage of it. I don't need lip readers seeing it. You know, when I talk about rights and freedoms with my students, I say, you have the freedom of speech. You could say anything you want about me. Just do it outside of this classroom. How about that? 
The only thing new is it's becoming a story. Coaches that can't say what they want on the sidelines, that's a story now? Don Nelson, you go back to the early 90s with the Warriors. Don Nelson, I remember, he used to destroy his players, swear at them, swear about them on the sidelines. I remember sitting there with my dad hearing him just rip into Tim Hardaway. Fucking Timmy, what's he doing out there? It wasn't a story. If anything, it was funny. It was fun. It was folklore. But now Don Nelson would be on Twitter and he'd be on ESPN. Oh, how could he say this about his players? We had lip readers on the case. I feel like modern sports fans are now a little intrusive. It's a little invasive. There should be a separation. Those are famous gifted athletes. We are the commoners in the crowd. We are the peasants. Those are the cool guys. Let's not blur the line. Let's not get too close to them, all right? We don't have to know too much. We don't have to say too much. We should just enjoy the sport. And that is how I think I'll end episode 51. In all honesty, I don't remember anything that happened over the last half hour. But I hope you enjoyed it. If so, drop a rating on iTunes. March Madness is here, folks. All right? An intervention is coming. I hope you know I love you all. I mean that. That's not a throwaway comment. Love you for listening. All right, episode 51 is now in the books. I'll talk to you soon.